Well, hello and welcome to this week's Photographic Life. I came from the outside. The rules of photography didn't interest me. William Klein said that. Look at it like this. The photographer was attracted to a subject and photographed it in a certain manner, perhaps because it touched a tender spot in his mind caused by the scar of a previous powerful experience. If the picture means a great deal to a viewer, it may be because the image touches a similar tender spot. If the picture means nothing, it is not necessarily bad. It may simply indicate that you do not at the present time share that photographer's experience. Bill Brandt said that. There are two types of people in the world. People who get Bob Dylan and those with no soul. My father said that. And it's particularly relevant, actually, for me to quote my father this week, because in the last week, as I said in previous uh, episodes, uh, I was going to attend the Cafe Royal Books opening at the Martin Parr Foundation in Bristol. And I did. And we had my uh, father staying with us for Easter. Now, photography and how I came to photography was because of my father. Uh, he owned a camera. Now, he didn't buy phot photographic magazines or books. He didn't have a dark room. He didn't print his own work. He didn't have th that engagement with photography. But he spent all of his time with his camera documenting my brother and my mother our family growing up through the 1960s, 70s, 80s and 90s and so forth and so on. Now, I took him to the Martin Parr Foundation, as I said, for the Cafe Royal Books event. And that was the first photographic exhibition he had ever been to. He's 84 years of age. He looked at the work as beautifully presented, really imaginatively so, with all 500 books that Craig has uh, published through Cafe Royal Books on show, and images from those books as A3 printouts pinned to the wall. Uh, they looked great, primarily black and white. My father had a good look around at that work, and he turned to me and he said this, Why are the pictures all so sad? And that kind of took me back, and I didn't actually really know what to say to him. I think what I presumed by sad was serious, as in serious intent of the photographer, serious work. But I am so engaged with that work that I wasn't able to see it in the way in which he could. I think also what's really interesting is that the work on show really documented the places and the times that he knew firsthand. He had been that child drawing chalk on the, on the road with no shoes on in northern England. In fact, by the ships, as a, I think it's a Chris Kellop picture in particular uh, that shows that scene. And my father grew up in the docks of Grimsby. Um, before going to an orphanage in the, the 1940s. So he had that connection with the work, but what he saw was sadness. He explained to me that though those times were tough, there were other things going on. There was enjoyment. There were lighter moments. 
But of course, what it made me think immediately was that sense of documentation that becomes so much about trying to show something that it forgets that that something might be slightly more rounded as a story. That the photographer is leading the viewer into a nostalgic memory of how things were. And what my father was saying, well, actually, that's not a true story. That's not a true representation. Sure, that was part of it, but it wasn't all of it. I think it's always really interesting to hear somebody who is an outsider viewing work. We are so close to it. We know the photographers that are being referenced. We know the the school of work. We know that photographer's career, perhaps. So we're able to bring all of that when we see the work. We're almost too informed. We're almost too engaged to see the very thing that is right in front of us. And my father was able to do that. It really hit home to me because I then started to look at my work and I'm doing exactly what I have done, exactly the same as he's talking about. I wrote an article about it, which is on unitednationsofphotography.com, which is why is documentary photography obsessed with sad? Have a read of that if you want to go into a little bit more or gain a little bit more understanding of what I'm talking about here. I'll also be appearing on Neil James's The Photography Daily uh, podcast, and I'll be, I suppose he'll be questioning me around that. But at this point, really what I wanted to bring on our podcast on this episode was a thought process to consider around the idea of the viewer, but also the idea of the edit That when we're editing that work, what we must really be thinking about is, are we telling the full story? Are we telling the truth? Or are we trying to create work? Are we trying to show work that fulfills a requirement of what our perception is as serious documentary photography? As I say, I think they're two very separate words, serious and sad do not have to sit together. This week, we welcome to the podcast to explain to us in under five minutes what photography uh, means to him is David Butow. Now, David is a freelance photojournalist whose projects and assignments have taken him to over two dozen countries, including Afghanistan, Burma, Iraq, Peru, Yemen, Zimbabwe and the Ukraine. Oh, Ukraine. I got told off for saying the Ukraine the other day on social media. Anyway, born in New York and raised in Dallas, he has a degree in government from the University of Texas at Austin. And after college, he moved to Los Angeles and worked in newspapers before beginning a freelance career for magazines in the 1990s. From the mid-90s through the late 2000s, he worked as a contract photographer for US News and World Report magazine, covering social issues and news events such as post-9-11 in New York, the Palestinian-Israeli Intifada, the 2003 US invasion of Iraq, and the death of Pope John Paul II at the Vatican. 
More recently, his photographs of events such as the China earthquake in 2008, the funeral of Nelson Mandela, Hong Kong protests of 2019, January the 6th and various projects in the US have won awards including from World Press Photo, Pictures of the Year International and White House News Photographers Association. From 2017 to 2021, he was based in Washington, D.C., uh, working primarily political assignments at the White House and U.S. Capitol for Time, CNN, Politico, NBC, The Los Angeles Times, The Guardian, Rolling Stone and other clients. After four years in Washington, D.C., he has relocated to Los Angeles and he has just got back from the western Ukraine and Poland. Okay, one, two, one, two. Here we go. Hi, I'm David Buto, and I'm answering the question, what does photography mean to me? It's such a big question and so open-ended. In order to tackle it, I have to break it down into three basic components. First, what does photography mean to me personally? Well, it's inseparable from who I am. I started taking pictures on family vacations when I was about 12 using my dad's camera. He was a pretty serious amateur who developed and printed his own photographs. Since then, several decades later, it has in some ways been one of the few constants in my life. Photography gave me a way to connect with the world and explore. I grew up in Dallas, Texas, but when I was 12, my parents and I lived in Paris, France for several months. I kind of hated living there, but the upside was that taking pictures gave me an excuse to go out and wander around the neighborhood. I took pictures of dogs and subway entrances and street musicians and things like that. I made a book of those pictures for a school project when I was maybe in the eighth grade, and that's my first photo book, and it's sitting on my shelf right now. In high school, I worked for the school newspaper and yearbook. I was kind of a shy kid, but again, the camera got me out, exposed me to a lot of different groups of kids, and because I generally liked to have their pictures taken, thinking that they might end up in the yearbook, most of the students were pretty friendly to me. After high school and college, photography became my career, and it's taken me to many, many countries. I've seen some great things on those trips, had some fantastic explorations. And as a photojournalist, I've seen some terrible things, but they're real, and that's just how life is and how the world works. And so in many ways, photography has given me a crash course in reality over and over. I've been exposed to many different cultures and met some people who seem very similar to me, except that our backgrounds couldn't be more different. That's probably the best thing for me about being a photographer. It's a way to get to know the human condition intimately in such a variety of circumstances. I photographed homeless people smoking crack in a motel room in Los Angeles, and I photographed the President of the United States in the Oval Office. None of those things would have happened without photography. It has also given me a chance to witness events, some of them quite historic, firsthand to be there in person and to feel that experience in a complete way. Sometimes that's disturbing, like watching the attack on the U.S. Capitol on January 6th of 2021. But in the end, I've always felt privileged to have been there and to be able to record, interpret, and communicate those scenes for other people to see. That's what I think of as my main role as a photographer and maybe as a person in general, to be the eyes for those who can't be there themselves. 
The second aspect is, for me, probably the least interesting, so I'll stick it in the middle and keep it short. That's the business aspect or the career aspect. Getting assignments, trying to get published, doing exhibitions, getting your photos in stock agencies, all that. The truth is, as a professional photographer, that's how you have to spend most of your time. It is a business, and it's a lot of pressure because you want to make a living and also have your pictures get seen. That's kind of the whole point. You're a communicator. So you have to balance that drive to create and communicate and also be able to do assignments and serve the needs of your clients. The third and final aspect of what photography means to me is the act itself, the craft and the creative explorations. That part is great. And the trick for me is to try to keep that enthusiasm up year after year. One of the wonderful things about photography is that there is no end point. It's not like you can take a perfect photograph of anything. There is no such thing. So you can continue to explore and create and hopefully find new approaches or situations that will give you the same thrill of discovery that you had when you first began. I remember one of the first pictures I ever took was of these guys in Italy playing bulls, a sort of like lawn bowling game uh, in a park. And I snapped the frame just as one of the guys released the ball. When I got the developed film back from the lab, I saw that the picture had frozen the ball in midair. And that struck me as magical. And on the best days, it still does. Thanks for listening. Well, thank you for your contribution, David, this week. Really interesting to hear there that once again, uh, as I was saying at the beginning of the episode, his father's interest in photography was the catalyst for his own interest and engagement with the medium, just as the same with myself. Also really interesting, I think, to hear him talking about the business side of photography, something that a lot of photographers either don't talk about or seem to have a bit of an issue with talking about. I think as David says there, if you don't get your pictures seen, what's the point? And if you get paid for it, all the better. I'm a big fan of David's work and I have been for a while, but certainly his January the 6th work really struck home with me. It's visceral, powerful and important work. Make sure you check it out. I started out this week talking about my father's response to a series of photographs, to an exhibition. And also in the last week, I travelled with Florence, my 10-year-old daughter, to see another exhibition, the Royal Photographic Society's International Photography Exhibition. Uh, the work was actually staged in a, a museum, in a in a dark room, I have to say, which I didn't find personally conducive to l- looking at work. Um, so that was one part of it. And the, the whole kind of vibe of the room did feel a little kind of down and, and not really a celebration of photography, as it has been at the Royal Photographic Society's headquarters in Bristol in previous years, which, again, Florence and I have uh, attended. But the reason I'm talking about it this week was, again, uh, one of the the comments made by somebody who isn't engaged fully with photography. We looked around the work and I kind of uh, didn't really say very much, to be honest. And I don't really want to say very much about the exhibition because I don't feel as if it's really beneficial. Um, What I would say is is rather negative and, and I don't really want to put out that kind of vibe. 
But what Florence said, I thought was really interesting. And she looked around and she said, Dad, there's no personality. And I thought, wow, yeah, you're right. The work here is homogenized. It feels as if everybody is telling the same story. And they're telling the same story in the same way. She also said that it was lacking in colour. And again, she was right. All of the colours were desaturated. Again, a stylized aesthetic choice. Now, this may be due to the quality of the printing. It may also be the lighting in the room, which I didn't think was particularly good. So that may also have impacted on it. The hanging and the vibe of the room also. I mean, the, all of these things are important. But I think what she said there about that idea of not having personality is really important. I think it's so easy to get dragged into an idea that photography has to be the same as photography that currently exists to be successful or to achieve um, selection for an exhibition, for example. And what we really need is variety. What we need are different voices telling different stories in different ways. But of course, that's very difficult to do. I don't know if this was down to the curation, the hanging or whatever. But for me, as an exhibition, it really didn't work. And I have to say also, charging to go into that room uh, was the charge was high. I think it was around uh, four pounds, five pounds, something like that. And it really wasn't worth it. I didn't feel as if that was giving a, a strong kind of uh, voice for what photography could be in a space where people perhaps who weren't ordinarily engaged with the medium might go and see it. I have to say the visitor's book actually bore out my feelings about it. And there's quite a bit of negativity in that book, which is a shame. You know, we all want things to be successful. We want photography to be enjoyed by more and more people and more and more people to just have fun with the medium. For for me, that's the key word. And it's why I take Florence along and she has her camera in her little camera bag and she snaps away all of the time. That's part of the fun and part of the learning. That willingness to not follow what others are doing or get caught up in the zeitgeist of a moment photographically. And I think if anything from this week's episode, which kind of glues it together, very rarely does it come together, but I think this week's perhaps it has, is the importance of the naivety, the importance of the viewer, the importance of that outsider viewing the work and that honesty in what they say. Without a shadow of a doubt, I think that David Butow brings that to his documentary work. And I think it's the challenge for all of us when we're creating photography, when we're creating photographing images, to try and step out of ourselves, step out of the photographic bubble and attempt to see things in the way that those who aren't engaged with the medium do. Perhaps by doing that, we'll bring some freshness and some reflection to our work that isn't informed by others who are constantly looked at for looking, I should say, at photography, but those whose minds are clear and fresh. Anyway, 
The most important thing over the next uh, week or so is to keep your mind open and fresh and, of course, to take care. Thank you.